If you would take your Bibles, please, and go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28. Oh, we're getting close. Acts chapter 28. If you're visiting with us, you can pull out that black Bible in the chair in front of you. And go to towards the back, find page 117. 117, Acts 28, we'll do the first 16 verses this morning. And if I think if you notice there in your bulletin, as you're turning to Acts chapter 28, um, uh, next week I'm just going to do um, a message specifically for the Lord's Supper. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. So Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews chapter 4 is in there. 14 through 16 should be in your bulletins. That's what I'm going to be preaching on. We're going to focus on that so we can focus our hearts on the Lord's Supper. I told you I'd be doing that here and there. We'll finish up Acts on uh, Mother's Day, May 8th, and then I'm going to do a message called Acts 29. Where do we go from here? We'll do that May 15th. So The saga, the story continues on Acts chapter 29, so we will look at that in a few weeks. Today we're in Matthew. Matthew. Today we're in Acts chapter 28. I'll read the first 16 verses, and then we'll do our study. And when they had been brought safely through, then we found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us extraordinary kindness, for because of the rain that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled the fire and received us all. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire... A viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, Undoubtedly, this man is a murderer. And though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. But they were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Verse 7. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the leading man of the island, named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously three days. And it came about that the father of Publius was lying in bed, afflicted with fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him, and after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. And after this had happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured. And they also honored us with many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. Verse 11. And at the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship which had wintered at the island, which had the twin brothers for its figurehead. And after we put in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we sailed around and arrived at Regium. And a day later, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Puteoli. There we found some brethren and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And thus we came to Rome. And the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Apius and the three taverns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. And when we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. NPR had a news story this past week, it was titled, Faithful Mattress Will Squeal on a Cheating Partner. A new mattress on sale in Spain 
will alert you if your partner is being unfaithful. You will learn of a cheating on a mobile app. The smart wrist, yeah, mattress, smart wrist, that's what they call is equipped with, equipped with a lover detection system. In a video, the company making this mattress says, quote, if your partner isn't faithful, at least your mattress is. Really? That's sad. You have to rely on your mattress instead of a person? What does our world come to? Is it that hard to find a faithful spouse? What about faithful Christians? Is it hard to find faithful Christians? Nominalism is the in thing. Hey, I'm a Christian, but I keep it to myself. Don't tell another person that they're wrong. Don't tell another person that their beliefs are wrong and Christianity is right. Oh, don't say that. Because you're a bigot if you say that. That's hate speech. And it's easy to keep your Christianity to yourself. But is that biblical? We've noticed over the past two, three, four, five, six weeks even the model Christian that we see in Paul. I mean, we see this, this man who's just is faithful. A model for us. Exemplary character. And we see it here once again. As we come to this part in Acts, as we're coming to the close of the book of Acts. Acts, what is it about? Just do it. Be who you are. Christian, let God use you to fulfill His mission. And here we come to this passage, 28, 1-16. You be faithful, He'll be sovereign. You be faithful, He'll be sovereign. You read this part of Acts and it seems uneventful. And in certain ways it is. More or less. 276 guys, prisoners, whatever, and with the soldiers landing on Malta, this whole ordeal with a snake, Paul heals, possibly the gospel's proclaimed, they set sail for Rome, they get connected with other Christians, they arrive in Rome. We see this whole thing happening. Paul was on trial, he appeals to Caesar, he goes before Agrippa, they sent him, he gets shipwrecked, they end up at Malta, Blah, 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 blah. True historical events that really happen. What can we take away from it? Well, we can take away this. Paul was a great example of a faithful servant of the Lord, Jesus Christ, who trusted and thanked God, who gave grace, and proclaimed the gospel, proclaimed the Lord Jesus Christ. So, as individual... Jesus followers and as a corporate body we are encouraged to imitate Paul's example to be faithful servants who trust God's sovereign will and thank him who give grace to others and take the opportunities given to us to proclaim Christ or in other words to put it in a 
short phrase for you. You be faithful, God will be sovereign. You just be the faithful servant, and God will take care of the rest. Yeah, easier said than done. I know. But don't look to me as an example. Look to Paul as an example. Uh, be encouraged. Do what God wants you to do. He'll take care of the rest. Let's be encouraged to be a people of grace. Because we're so awed of God's graces. God's been so gracious to you. Aren't you just enthralled and enamored and amazed that God has been so gracious to you? He owes you nothing and yet He gave you everything. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Be so enamored with God's grace and let's be a people of grace. And you know what? God's going to fulfill His word. Let this passage be an exhortation to you as a Jesus follower. And not just for you individually, but us as a church, as a corporate body, we as members of Cottonwood Bible Church, we're, we're known as people. We're just faithful servants. Like we read from Luke this morning, uh, chapter 17. Jesus is talking to his disciples. You just say, we're just saying, we're just slaves. We're just doing what we're commanded to do. Stay faithful. In a time where you're being squeezed, be faithful. In a time where it ain't cool to be a Christian, be faithful. In a time where you're going to be called a bigot or a homophobe, be faithful. In a time where people will mock you and they will want nothing to do with you, just because you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, you haven't even said anything to them. And they just poof, blow you off. Stay faithful. Don't look to me as an example. Let's look to Paul. Here's four marks. We're going to say four marks of a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Four of them. A faithful, now there's more. Okay, there's more. These aren't the only four, but here's four that we see from the text. You trust God, you thank God, you give grace, you proclaim the gospel. A faithful servant of Christ from what we'll see from the text. Hopefully he doesn't do it a third time. Trust God, thanks God, gives grace and proclaims the gospel. We're known to be people who trust God. We give thanks to God. We give grace to others and we proclaim the gospel. That's a faithful servant. So we'll work our way through. Number one, a faithful servant trusts God. Verses one through six. Trust God because circumstances give me an opportunity to trust God and glorify Him with my attitude and my actions. I made it personal for you. So if you're writing notes, you can make it personal. A faithful servant trusts God. I trust God because circumstances just, just give me an opportunity to trust God and glorify Him with my attitude and my actions. That's what we see in Paul in verses 1 through 6. So from last week we looked at the, chapter 27. Shipwrecked. They landed, and at that time that they landed, they learned the name of the island was Melite, or it's also known today as Malta. 
It's 58 miles south of, Sic south of Sicily. Say that 10 times real fast. They stayed here for three months for the winter season. Well, they couldn't go anywhere anyways. They hadn't, didn't have a choice. Nobody was traveling at this time. Notice verse 2. The natives showed us extraordinary kindness. Because of the rain that set in, the cold, they kindled the fire. Uh, interesting, Luke called them here. The Greek word is actually barbarians. Uh, those ignorant of Greek or Latin, or maybe they were culturally, a uh, lack cultural background. Interesting, he uses this word though. But most of them didn't know Greek. They were probably Phoenician in their origin. They spoke mostly Punic, not Greek. Interesting too though. These people showed such kindness to them. All 276 persons. They kindled the fire. Interesting. Did they have some huge, huge, huge fire for them? Or did they have like little pockets of fire or something? We don't know. It doesn't say. But from Luke's perspective, extraordinary kindness. Verse 3. Paul's gathering a bunch of sticks. A viper comes out, fastens on his hand. Interesting. The irony. If you survive a shipwreck, you get killed by a viper. Well, that's a bummer. I survived the shipwreck. Oh, God. Bummer. And notice what the native name's reaction. <clears throat> Undoubtedly, this man is a murderer. Though he's been saved from the sea. Justice has not allowed him to live. Justice is personified here. Justice was the daughter of Zeus and Themis. She was a goddess. She was the one directing events. She's not going to let him live. However, he shook the creature off into the fire, suffered no harm. They were expecting he was about to swell up suddenly or fall down dead. So they're waiting, they're waiting. Nothing happened. They changed their minds and said he was a god. Yet it didn't occur to them to ask the question how this so-called god would, be, would allow himself to be under human custody. Hmm sitting there in chains and yet he's a god that makes sense anyways same thing happened if you remember in the book of Acts chapter 14 Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra they're like oh these guys are gods and Paul and Barnabas are like no 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 we're, no, we're not and they took the opportunity to proclaim the gospel well why doesn't Paul do this here why don't we see Paul do this here we'll look at this in just a moment in a few moments we'll look at this I do think that uh, Paul did proclaim the gospel, but Luke doesn't focus on this for some reason. Why? We don't know. Except that maybe he was trying to get to the main aspect of the letter, which is the fact that they were trying to get to Rome. Needless to say, what's the point? Circumstances just give us an opportunity to trust God. Here's Paul. Shipwrecked. And then he gets bit by a snake. It's cold. It's wet. I'm going to trust God's word. For us, when circumstances don't go our way, I don't know about you, but I crumble. And I whine. And I bicker. And I get mad. I know none of you do that. But only pastors, we're the only ones who do things like that. We whine, bicker, and get angry, and sulk. Is that how we respond? Or, faithful servants trust God. 
Because circumstances just give me an opportunity to trust God. And I'm going to glorify Him with my attitude and my actions. Is that how we're going to respond? That's what a faithful servant... Look at Paul. That's what a faithful servant of Jesus Christ does. Look at Paul's example. Look to him. And this leads to the next two points, two and three. A faithful servant gives grace and proclaims Christ. A faithful servant gives grace to others and proclaims Christ to others. Uh, here's some statements for you. Because God was so gracious to me, again, I'm making it personal for you, because God was so gracious to me in the gospel, I'm going to reach out to others and show them grace as opportunities arise. Plus, I will take advantage of the situations God gives me to proclaim to another person the saving gospel word. This is Paul's thinking. It's like... It's like, boop, boop, boop. It's on his radar. He's always, who can I give grace to? Bam! Who can I give the gospel to? Bam! He just takes the opportunities. Me? I start whining and get mad. I know none of you do this. Just us pastors. Faithful servants give grace. Faithful servants proclaim Christ. Because God has been so gracious to me in the gospel, I'm going to reach out to others and show them grace. I'm going to take advantage of the situations that God has placed me in to give someone else the gospel that needs to hear the gospel. Christian, take every opportunity that's given to you to minister to others following Paul's example. This is what he does. He didn't whine. He didn't rant. He didn't get mad. He didn't go sulk in a corner. <laughs> just crying look at what he does verse 7 now in the neighborhood of that place lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Pulis he's chief of the island notice he welcomed entertained us for courtesy for three days he's like the procurator or the landowner we're not sure his title and possibly new Greek his father, the father Publius, was suffering from fever and dysentery. Possibly it's from a microbe that comes, or it's found in goat's milk there at Malta. The fever that someone would have from this microbe could last weeks, months, even years, because that microbe is in your system. What does Paul do? Shows grace. Goes in to see him. And after he pr prayed, he laid his hands on him, which, by the way, is the only place in Acts where prayer and laying on of hands are put together. By the way, the guy has dysentery, which is highly contagious. And he healed him. Paul showed God's grace and kindness to this man's father by healing him. And, and you know, we, we know and we believe the way that God was authenticating the gospel, that he was speaking revelation, was through miracles and healings. So here's a way to authenticate the gospel that Paul was proclaiming. So we can deduce from this that Paul actually proclaimed the gospel in the midst of this. I mean, <laughs> the guy was there for three months. He didn't say the gospel at all. Well, that's kind of stupid to think that. Of course he did. 
Luke just doesn't focus on it for some reason. Notice verse 9, after this happened, the rest of the people in the aisle, Hey! This guy got healed. He brought their diseases. They're coming to him. They're getting cured. And they also honored us with many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. Many others from the island, they came to Paul and they were cured. Paul's healing a number of people. And then they showed their gratitude to him. Not just for healing, but again, we're deducing that Paul most likely was proclaiming the gospel. They showed their gratitude to the travelers by giving gifts they would need for the trip to Rome. They gave them everything they needed. You see how Paul's healing ministry and gospel proclamation have brought blessing to many? Not just to the people of Malta, but to his own traveling companions. The other 275 guys that were with him. And remember, not all those guys were Christians. Once again, God showed his gracious blessing to these pagans. God saved them from being killed from the shipwreck from that major storm and now he's shown the grace not just in terms of saving them but now they had everything they needed to go to Rome these guys wanted nothing to do with Christianity but here's Paul showing grace and God giving his blessing because Paul showed grace as we're faithful to minister to others and care for them God will bless not only us, but also those who are with us. Even those who are not necessarily ministering to or caring for others. Paul just took the opportunity. I mean, just, in, uh, just by way of illustration, when Paul made it to Rome, you know, he's in prison. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, the advancement of the gospel, the gospel being proclaimed. I would be whining, crying in the corner because I'm in prison. Not Paul. You see, the gospel is being advanced. The gospel is being proclaimed because of my circumstances. When we find ourselves in dire circumstances, are we trusting the Lord and taking the opportunity to give others grace and even proclaim the gospel to someone? To whom can you show grace today? Who are you going to give grace to today? Who needs grace today? Maybe it might be that customer at Walmart. Even might be your neighbor, a family member. Are, are you here today and you need God's grace? You need God's grace in the sense that you're not a follower of Jesus Christ and you need to repent and put your trust in Jesus. Maybe you need to be shown grace by God Himself. Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you know Him? The Father sent His Son on behalf of sinners to live and to die as a substitute for sinners and yet brought him back to life if you repent and put your trust in Jesus alone he will save you he'll give you grace so faithful servants faithful servants they give grace they proclaim the gospel 
they take these opportunities last number four a faithful servant thanks God a faithful servant thanks God we looked at a faithful servant trusts God a faithful servant gives grace and proclaims the gospel and last number four a faithful servant thanks God thanks God because God will always keep his promises to me and because it's encouraging to me to see God's people committed to the truth God will always keep his promises to me again making it personal for you and because it's encouraging to see God's people committed to the truth 11 through 16 uh, these verses seem uneventful they're there in Malta for three months they set sail out for Rome it's about February AD 60 an Alexandrian ship notice it says there in verse 11 which had the twin brothers for its figurehead twin brothers were Castor and Pollux the sons of Zeus and Leda Interesting. They were the Savior gods. How ironic. Jesus Christ is the Savior. And yet, as their figurehead, they had the Savior gods. Hmm. But uneventful. Syracuse, Rhegium, Puteoli, which is 130 miles south of Rome. Notice it says here at verse 15, and the brethren, when they heard about us, oh, excuse me, verse 14, there we found some brethren and were invited to stay with them for seven days. Uh, they exhorted or prevailed upon Paul to remain. And they needed a good rest, since the rest of the trip at this point would be done by foot on land. Now, did these believers provide only for Paul and his companions, or did they provide for all 276 people? All those persons? We, we don't know. It would not be unbelievable for that to happen, there could have been quite a few believers that were there to help and take care of all of them. But notice at the end of verse 14, Thus we came to Rome, and the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the mark of Apius and the three taverns to meet us. Traveling from the Forum of Apius, Forum of Apius was 43 miles south of Rome. The three taverns, or the three inns, was 21 miles south of Rome. So, so they finally made it to Rome normally uh, in good conditions to travel from Caesarea to Rome took five weeks right the total time it took them to travel to Rome was well over four months and so notice too uh, two separate groups of the Christian community came from Rome to meet Paul and his companion in those places as well as to accompany them into Rome this would no doubt be astonishing to his travelers. Number 16. And when we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. He was guarded by one soldier instead of the normal two-soldier guard. Most likely he stayed in rented quarters, which possibly was paid for by the believers in Rome. So people could visit, he could teach, and discuss things. And, We'll see that take place next week when we look at verses 17 through the end of the chapter, verse 31. But I want you to notice something in verse 15. And when Paul saw them, the believers, 
He thanked God and took courage. It's encouraging to see other godly, like-minded believers come together to encourage each other. That's encouraging, to see them encourage each other. That's the importance of the Christian community. Believers generously and graciously, they welcome Paul. Which, by the way, just by implication, that's the importance of church membership. That's why we here at the Bible Church believe in church membership because it shows you're committed to this one particular church not just from your perspective but from our perspective. Because there's like-minded believers coming together to encourage one another. So Paul thanked God not just for making it to Rome but for the commitment of God's people to the truth. It's so encouraging to see other Christians staying faithful to Jesus Christ. John mentioned this in 3 John. We looked at that this morning. 3 John with Gaius. John was so encouraged, he said this, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper, be in good health, as your soul prospers. I was very glad when brethren came and bore witness to your truth, how you were walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. It's encouraging to see other believers walking in the truth. That's what encouraged Paul. And just like we saw in Luke chapter 17, how we read that this morning, a, a true disciple of Jesus serves God, laboring faithfully and obediently in any area he calls him or her. That's what encouraged Paul. He took courage when he sees believers encouraging him. not that our followers, followers of Jesus Christ that they're supposed to do this supposed to do that they just say I'm just I'm not looking for honor prestige I'm just doing what God wants me to do I'm just staying faithful so what do we see from Paul's life today as an example to us we see a man who trusted God a man who thanked God a man who gave grace to others and proclaim the gospel to others. Praise the Lord for this faithful servant. Maybe you might know of someone in your own life or someone in someone else's life, a person who's been faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're the ones that we should emulate. And here's Paul, faithful servant, in the midst of these horrible circumstances that he can find himself in, and in any different way that he could respond, what does he do? He's trusting God. He's thanking God. He's taking opportunities. How can I show this person grace? And how can I proclaim the gospel of that guy? What a guy. Father, we need, need to be like Paul. You've been so gracious to us in Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful for a guy like Paul. And the horrible things that he found himself in, he's still just trusting you. He's still thanking you. He was so encouraged to see the Christians. He took the opportunities to give grace to others and to proclaim 
your gospel. Father, help us. Help us to emulate Paul's example. I am one to whine and to be angry and become depressed. There's anxiety, worry. We respond that way when things don't go the way we want them to go. Maybe even someone here has had a hard time getting out of bed this morning because they're so depressed. Give us grace. Give us your grace, Lord Jesus, to emulate Paul's example. It's just rock solid. Take a few moments and think and ponder what we've seen here in the book of Acts, chapter 28. And after a few moments of silence, we'll continue our time of worship. We can worship the Lord through our giving. We'll worship Him by singing two more songs and having our closing prayer. Then worshiping Him after that to have conversations that honor Him. So right now, take a few moments and ponder and think.